Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening once again to Ratchet and Respectable. Happy New Year! It's been two weeks since we last spoke. It feels much, much longer than that. I would love to say that I missed you. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm happy to be back, but I was happy to be off. I had a great holiday season in Ghana. Ghana for Dutty December is is something else. My God. A bunch of my friends came in town to celebrate the holidays, not necessarily to see me, but to turn up. Davida's been here the whole time. She was hosting another trip for Christmas and New Year's. My friend and lawyer, Nye, was in town. My cousin, who just turned 30 on Christmas Day, no less. She was in town with some of her friends. Bunches of people. Like, I was just out at clubs. It's 7.30 in the morning and running into friends I haven't seen in forever. Some people I didn't even know were coming and they were just here at the club. I was like, oh my gosh. I said I was going to keep it low key. I was like, oh, you know, I'm only going to go to like brunches and events. I don't need to be in the clubs. The whole time I've been in Ghana, I think I went out. I did the club for Global Citizen, but I was home by like 2.30. And then there was another time I went shortly after I got here. One of my friends, Nicole, threw me a dinner party when I first arrived. And then after dinner, it's supposed to be a cocktail lounge, but it was a straight turn up. Quietly, Ghana turns up every weekend. It's not just for December. The clubs are always open, except for November when they close down to prepare for December. But otherwise, but I've been to the club twice since I moved here in August, which was still a lot for me because I had sworn off clubs a long, long time ago. It's just not my real vibe. But somehow... Last week, I ended up at the club and stayed until 7.30 in the morning. Like, the sun came up. Like, I saw the sun break the sky and still kept partying. Was dancing, two-stepping and twirling and such. I haven't danced in public in maybe five years, if not longer. I was like, who am I? Then left the club at 7.30 and went to the beach. I mean, it was right there, but still I could have like, you know, left and gone and gotten an Uber and properly taken my black ass home. But no, I went down to the beach. I got in the water up to my knees. I was frolicking and such. And then, and then I called an Uber to take my black ass home and then did it again. Two nights later, I went out for New Year's Eve. We had a whole table at this party. It was like thousands of people like I don't even know like 5,000 10,000 like once it gets past 5,000 I lose count but it was thousands of people but we had a little section me and like nine friends and it was really cute and we kept going until I think 5 30 and then half of us left I called it a wrap at 5 30 and then we went to a cross equivalent of Waffle House which was rammed out it might as well just been like I went to a second club and then we got something to eat there and then went home. But I, I really took a selfie in the back of a cab at 7.40 a.m. in the goddamn morning. And I was like, who am I? I like this person. She's actually really fun. Haven't seen her in a while. Welcome back. But I was like, her ass got to stay out the clubs. I was worn out. 
I stayed in the house in the bed. I couldn't sleep for whatever reason, but I stayed in the house and in the bed for two days. And then I swore off liquor because January and I have been overindulging. Never got a hangover, but just, you know, you can feel like you've had too much, like you need to dry out. That lasted all of a day. I didn't drink on January 1st and then January 2nd. That was yesterday. A friend in my head was in town. There's this guy, like professionally, we've been on each other's radar for years and years. Like I followed him on Twitter since like, I don't know, 2011, but he was in town for the holidays. And so he hit me up and was like, hey, can we connect? So we went and got drinks and then got something to eat. Great conversation. I said I was just going to drink ginger ale. I said it in the car on the way there. And then I got there. It's one of my favorite restaurants. And they have like this blueberry tequila Paloma thing. And one thing led to another and blah, blah, blah. But today, it's only like 535. Am I going to drink tonight? I don't know. My friend just invited me to go to a restaurant. Um, She's in town with Dave Chappelle. He's doing, I think, a concert here in Ghana on Thursday. Somebody mentioned it to me last night. I haven't seen anything about it. But I won't be here, which I'm really upset about. I'm leaving for Doha tomorrow afternoon. Yo, I'm speaking out loud right now. And like sometimes like, you know, I know it's my life. But then like I say things out loud and I'm like, I'm like, oh, yeah, like I'm supposed to go to dinner. And like, I don't know, Dave Chappelle's going to be there. And then I'm leaving for Doha in the morning. Like, What the fuck is my life right now? I don't know. I know I've sat on this podcast and talked so much shit about Dave Chappelle. And I've said every time. I really do like Dave Chappelle. I think he's very smart. I think he's a good comedian. I just think his take on trans is trash, which, you know, hopefully that doesn't come up at dinner tonight. Speaking of people I talk about in the podcast (laughs) that I actually meet in real life, I ran into um, Tiffany Cross. She was in town. I didn't know until literally like she was on her way to the airport. My friend hit me yesterday and was like, there's this media thing. I want you to meet my mentor and like all these people are going to be there. You should go. One of them was Angela Rye. I've known Angela forever. Jalen Rose, who don't know, but interviewed him years and years ago. He's doing a tribute to his mother for Mother's Day. The media event was honoring this, I want to call it a cabal, um, this group of media not even influencers, media personalities that were touring Ghana. So Angela Rye, Jalen Rose, Sonny Hoiston, Kari Champion was in town, but she wasn't with the delegation. Oh, what's the other girl's name? One of the founders for Black Lives Matter. I had her on the podcast like years ago. She was so sweet too when I saw her yesterday. And I was like, you were on my podcast. She was like, I remember Black Lives Matter founders. Why can I not remember this woman's name? Alicia Garza. And then also Tiffany Cross. I saw Tiffany. You know, she's like two feet tall. I'm 5'2", and I was like way taller than her. And I was like, she's so like bite-sized. But I told her when I saw her, I said, there's an army of black women rooting for you. I'll be honest with you. And I think I said this before, like when the whole thing happened, when she got let go from her show. I'm not an MSNBC person. I don't even watch CNN anymore, even if I could get it over here, which I probably could. I just never really tried. I really was never an MSNBC person. So... No shade, no disrespect. It just wasn't my cup of tea. So I never watched Tiffany's show. So when it got cut, I was like, oh, that's sad to hear. You know, as a black woman in media, like, you know, a black woman having her own show um, is a good thing. That New York Post story, which was clearly like a, a hit piece from the powers that be at MSNBC. I was like, you don't want the woman to work for you anymore. I get it. People get fired every day, B. Life happens. But they fired her. And then Tiffany put out a public statement that, you know, kept it classy 
on all her social platforms. She didn't clap back. She didn't have a meltdown. She wasn't like, you know, on some Wesley Snipes, Nino Brown, like I go down, everyone else goes down too. I'm not going down by myself. Or some Chris Cuomo, Nino Brown, Chris Cuomo, same shit. She really kept it above board. And then they put that hit piece in the New York Post. It was so unnecessary. I was indifferent. I didn't feel one way or another, but that's what made me team Tiffany. Sue them white folks and take all their money. Then I told her it'll be okay. She didn't say anything was wrong. Like we had no real personal discussion. But I just, I don't know. I just felt like she needed to be told it'll be okay. You know, they take your show and then they go after your ass. Like you was just trying to do your job. And then now you got to get a lawyer and sue these people for wrongful termination. And it's just a headache. Going back and forth to court and, and paying lawyers out the ass and trying to fight for, you know, just basic respect or to be seen is just, you know, it's hard. Maybe it's not for her, but I told her it would be okay. And I hope she knows it will be. That's my good deed for the day. I went to Afrochella. That was really good. So Afrochella was two days and then Afro Nation was also two days and there was an overlap. So the second day of Afrochella was the first day of Afro Nation. And it was all supposed to work out because Burner Boy was supposed to perform on the first day. And that's the only reason I was really going to Afrochella anyway, was to see Burner Boy. I'm kind of obsessed with him. Last Last is a big song, Jerusalem, which he's basically singing a prayer. I'm obsessed with that song, which made me obsessed with that man. Not the point. Point is, he was supposed to perform on day one. I think he was still in Nigeria. So then he performs on day two. I wanted to go to Afro Nation for day one because Meek Mill was performing. I'm not the biggest Meek Mills fan. Actually, until I started coming to Ghana, I wasn't really a fan at all. Dreams and Nightmares has this entire country in a chokehold. Every time I have been at a party, a lounge, a gathering of black people, and that song comes on, people lose their ever-loving minds. I really just wanted to be in the crowd with thousands of people when Meat Mills performed that song. I was really only going to Afro Nation, was going to pay for a whole two-day festival just to see Meek perform this one song. So I was going to get tickets and I was sitting with Davida and I was just going to go online and buy them. And Davida was like, no, 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 no. Wait till there's actually sightings of Meat Mills in Ghana. Because there's so many times people are like, oh, so-and-so is coming, so-and-so is coming, and so-and-so never shows up. Wait till you see Meat Mills in Ghana and then buy your ticket. Your boy came to Ghana and was riding dirt bikes, four-wheelers, whatever you want to call it, up and down and through the streets of Ghana, including like past my house. I saw the video and I was like, is, is that my bank? It was. Literally a two-minute walk from my building. Your boy came over here and acted a nigga. They were staying at the really good hotel. There's only one really good hotel. Because it's not the hotel's fault, I'm not name dropping them because they ain't got shit to do with it. I wasn't staying there. The stories that came out of that hotel, they were like, yo, there are people twerking in the lobby. It's like somebody twerking in the lobby of the Waldorf or the Ritz. Meek and them damn dirt bikes and all his friends with their damn dirt bikes were parking bikes up on the grounds of the hotel, outside the hotel, would just pull up on the bike and just hop off and just leave the shit there like it was somebody's personal yard or like a parking lot. Like, nigga. There also is a parking lot literally across the street from the hotel. But they were just pulling up and just like leaving their bikes everywhere. That's not the egregious part. Your boy got invited to go visit the president at Jubilee House. This is the equivalent of the White House. You know that nigga? And I'm saying it with the A, but I mean it with the E-R. Do you know that nigga went to see the president of Ghana in a white tee and basketball shorts? I was like, nigga, you wore the same thing to hoop 
and ride bikes around the city to go see the president of a country. It's so fucking disrespectful. I'm like, you're a grown ass man. Are you trying to tell me that you crossed the Atlantic without some pants and a collared shirt? Nigga. I know that's respectability politics. I know it is. It flares in me sometimes. I'm from DMV. I don't know what you want from me. Put on a decent shirt and some long pants. You're a grown ass man. I know you got better home training than that. I mean, apparently not because he showed up like that to go see the president. He's 35 years old. He knew better or he should have known better. Or if he didn't know better, somebody should have told him better. And if he flew across the goddamn Atlantic Ocean with no long pants and a collared shirt, something decent, it's nothing but tailors in this country. Throw a rock, hit a tailor. Go get something made real quick. They can turn it around for you in a good two hours if need be. All you need is some fabric. Your meat mills. Somebody will make you an outfit, gift it to you. Proudly, happily, joyfully. Sir, nigga. I was embarrassed for him. On these Gunyan blogs, they've been dragging his ass nonstop for that stunt. And I was like, you deserve it. The thing that hurts me, though, is because like, oh, they're like, oh, these Americans, these Americans, they have no class. I can't really argue because some of your people, some of your people did come over here and show literally their whole ass. Now, Ghana is a very sexy place. Like when it comes to clubs and stuff, they're not a show your whole ass type place. They got like standards and boundaries and, you know, rules and restrictions and such. Some of the Americans that came over here, not so much. Not so much. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Did I do anything else? I did a lot of sleeping, laying around, and doing absolutely nothing. I watched a bunch of TV. I watched Emily in Paris, which I've been like waiting for. Emily's cool. She's all right. I'm obsessed with her love interest on the show, Alfie. He's like this black Brit. He's not my usual type. He's like light skin, curly hair, beautiful teeth, gorgeous face. I really just like fine men. I tend to go for the browner ones in general, but I also have like a clear and healthy, mostly healthy obsession with Michael Ealy, who's clearly, you know, not on the browner side, but neither is this guy. He looks nothing like Michael Ealy, by the way. They're just both light skinned. And this guy doesn't have bright eyes. Like he's just gorgeous. Partially the accent, but the face, the face. He's Emily's love interest. And season three is really, really, really good. I don't like where they're going with it. And I don't want to give any spoilers away for people who haven't seen it. 
even though, you know, it's been out for two weeks. I feel like I should be able to say what I want, but just in case. I don't like where the show is going to have to go in season four, but I really, really, really like Alfie. And if they did like a spinoff, because Alfie's from London, but he's in Paris. But I was like, if they did a spinoff where like Alfie went back to London, like I know it's supposed to be like, you know, Emily in Paris, this American in Paris, this fish out of water who's figuring out this new terrain. I get it. But Alfie could really go back to London and I'd be fine watching Alfie like bop around London and I don't know, work, date, whatever. They could really just, you know, turn the volume off and just film him moving around for hours at a time. And I'd probably just watch that. Alfie is fine as fuck. I watched Kindred. I think I talked about it on my social. I don't know if I talked about it on here. It's really good. I wrote a review of it, I think just after the first episode, and was like, yo, this is amazing TV. Like, everyone should be watching this. And then I did a follow-up when I got to the end. And, like, I really loved it. In general, I don't like movies about... I'm going to say the word, like, black torture porn, but it's not that. It is violent. There is slavery involved, but at no point did I feel it was like horror porn. That's the word I'm looking for. Remember that um, there was this Amazon show. It was a series that I think they're actually turning into a show. It was about the black family. It was either called Them or Us, but it was a black family who moved from a black neighborhood in Chicago to the white suburbs, and they just basically got tortured. It went too far. This, everything that happened was crazy but also necessary, but also great story well told. I like the characters. I like the acting. I like the storyline. I liked everything about it. I love that it was based on Octavia Butler's books just because people have been talking about turning Kindred into a TV show, a film, whatever, forever in a day. I think Kindred came out before I was born, either 1975 or 1979. I can't remember, and I don't have the date in front of me, but it's been around for like a good like 40 plus years minimum. I've read the book years ago, so I kind of knew where the story was going. It did deviate from the book, which people were very quick to point out. Like, I can't believe you liked it. Anyone who liked this must not have read the book. And I'm like, it's, it's two different things. It's two different mediums. People got very, very like book purist. It's not the same as the book. In the book, the character did. In the book, the character did. In the book, the character did. Just stop watching. Just stop watching. Because what you want is, is, a, is a total adaptation. It's never going to happen. Like, it never happens. I don't know why people still expect it. It's never the same. It's not supposed to be. What works for a book usually doesn't work for TV and film. You're talking about two different audiences. And again, two different mediums. But, you know, I liked it. I watched The Best Man. Literally the day it came out. I watched Emily in Paris. I binged Emily in Paris, took a two-hour nap, and then woke up and watched The Best Man. It was good. It was so good. I forgot how much I love those characters. I thought it was really, really good. Like, I was fully invested, could not stop watching. There's this online debate about... It's been two weeks. We can't talk about this, right? I'll save it for next episode. But there's an online debate about a very pivotal decision that happens between a couple in the show. And I think that people have been debating this ferociously and attacking one another, like personal jabs in the whole nine yards over this fiction scenario in a TV show is a testament to how invested people are in the show. I'm glad that the show evokes 
passion in people. There were a couple things that I was like, that didn't really make sense to me though. In the first couple episodes, there's a guy that it looks like he's going to be set up for Nia Long's love interest. And then he just disappears, which in the way things like that happen, like she meets him on vacation and they have this flirtation and it never turns into anything. And it's like, oh yeah, we'll connect. And they never do. It's very true to like how real life happens. But I was like in TV life, and as fine as that man was, I was like, we need to see him again, Mr. Chocolate. And then he just, he was there and then he went away and I kept waiting for him to return and he didn't. And then there was another gentleman who came in and he was Nia Long's love interest. And I was like, why? I thought the same thing when he was Tasha's love interest on, um, what's that show? On Power. I just, I didn't get him for Tasha and I, I definitely didn't get him for Nia Long. Like, cause there's always this tension between Jordan and Harper and I was like, yeah, if it's the tension between her and Harper and then her and this new dude, I'm probably always going to root for Harper, even though he's married. That sounds bad. But I have my reasons. One of them being is that he ain't never really want to be married to his wife. Have you ever gone back and watched The Best Man as an adult? Because of, you know, a specific thing that happens in the, the current series, I went back and watched The Best Man with like, you know, like fresh adult, adult eyes. Robin and Harper never should have gotten married. He tried to sleep with Jordan the, the night before and then proposed at somebody else's wedding on a whim. It was a pity proposal. And she knew he tried to sleep with this other woman the night before and that he slept with his best friend's now wife, then girlfriend, never said anything all these years and was going to stand up in their wedding. Harper's trifling. And she knew all that and still was like, yeah, I'll marry you. Why? She was always the rebound. Only reason Harper never slept with Jordan, because he went to her house to do so. When he got beat up by Lance, that's the only reason they didn't have sex. When he had a whole girlfriend who he knew was coming in town the next day to go to a wedding. Sir, they never should have got married. But Robin knew all of that and said yes anyway. That's on both of them. So she spent like the last 20 years, you know, being unfulfilled. He never put her first. He never prioritized her. He never bent to accommodate her because she was never really his one. I feel like that's a lot of people's story. Unless they decide to rewrite it, disentangle themselves. It's just sitting around for 20 years being somebody's low priority if I get around to it when I'm done with everything else. And, and then, and then, this is a spoiler. It's been out for two weeks, people. I'm trying to talk around it. It's just not working. Then... Still hold Mary 20 years later. Try to smash Jordan again. The only reason it didn't happen that time, who ended up in the hospital? Yeah, exactly. Same shit, different decade. If that sounds familiar to you, don't let that be your story. You better rewrite that shit. Disentangle. Divorce. I'm just saying. Or you know what? Just sit up in this shit and be miserable. Just so you can take, or just sit up in this shit and be miserable, so you can tell people you got a ring. There's a lot of people doing that too. No judgment. No judgment. Literally, no judgment. I'm not just saying that to say it. Like literally, no judgment. It's not my life. I don't really care how you live it. It's your life. Live it how you see fit. We need to talk about the Brooklyn Bishop, Lamar Whitehead, aka my friend's ex-husband, went and got himself arrested. Is it federal charges? But he went and got himself arrested on one Monday morning. I'm reading this on PIX11. That's New York news for folks outside of New York. This is December 19th. He was arrested Monday morning for allegedly, you got to say allegedly, because there's been no conviction, 
allegedly defrauding a parishioner out of retirement savings. He also allegedly tried to extort and defraud a businessman and lied to the FBI. He has been charged with two counts of wire fraud, each which carries a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison. A U.S. attorney, they said uh, Lamar Whitehead, they didn't call him Reverend Whitehead or Bishop Whitehead. They said Lamar Whitehead abused the trust placed in him by a parishioner and bullied a businessman for $5,000. We talked about this before because right after that alleged, I'm going to say alleged there too, because that was never proven, that church robbery on video, which is what brought uh, the Brooklyn Bishop into the national consciousness or international consciousness, as, as the case may be now. There was another, I don't remember which publication it was, but they went digging and found there's a lawsuit from this parishioner. They found that there was a foreclosure on one of his homes. They talked about his previous arrest and his um, prison sentences for... Scamming isn't really a legal term. I don't know what the proper legal term is for scamming, but that's what he went to jail for, I believe. But in this instance, he tried to get a parishioner to invest $90,000 of her retirement savings. She gave him the money and he spent that money on luxury goods and other personal purposes. Oh dear. The Brooklyn Bishop is also charged with extortion. That carries a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison. And then he also has one count of making material false statements. That's lying to the FBI. That carries a maximum sentence of five years in prison. The Brooklyn Bishop, his lawyer says that he's not guilty of these charges. He says that his client will, quote, be vigorously defending these allegations. He feels that he is being targeted and being turned into a villain from a victim. The Brooklyn Bishop pleaded not guilty in court and he was released on the condition that he pay a $500,000 bond. Now this story happened and folks was like, D, you can't be done with the podcast. Like fire up the microphone. We have things to talk about. What we got to say, y'all? Is, is there anyone who's surprised? Is there anyone who didn't see this coming? Show yourselves. Show, show yourselves. I would like to see who you are. Who didn't see this coming? Because this is not new news. I'm surprised by the swiftness of the charges, but I'm not surprised they actually happen at all. The Shade Room was posting this man every other week, and it was like thousands of comments being like, this nigga is a fraud, this nigga is a scammer, this nigga about to go to jail. Everyone knew this was going to happen. Who didn't know? Fire up the microphone for what? I don't need to say I told you so. Everyone told you so. It wasn't just me. Okay, you know how like, we're going to talk about Meg and Tori in a second too. But you know how like in the Tory Lanez trial, all sorts of like, you know, information came out that didn't need to come out. It was just a whole bunch of like random stuff. People's sex lives and all sorts of stuff that was, you know, immaterial to did you or did you not shoot this woman? Did. Found guilty. Three counts. We're getting to that, right? I do hope that in whatever trial happens with the Brooklyn Bishop, since he's going to fight this, since he's pleading not guilty, I really hope that they get to the bottom of what he spent all this money on. I really want to know, like, line item by line item. Like, how much did you spend on certain things? I particularly want to know where he's getting the fabric for these non-Gucci Gucci suits. Because that's not Gucci. It's not Gucci. It's not Louis either. I'm not mad at it. 
it's real like, you know, old school Dapper Dan type shit. I'm not mad at it. I'm especially not mad at the tailor. The tailor is gifted. I don't know why this gifted tailor has agreed to like make these concoctions for him with these fabrics, but maybe he's paying top dollar. I mean, he's allegedly taking all this money from people. He does have some to spend. Maybe he's making it rain on the tailor. So he was like, you know, whatever fabric you bring, I'll do it for you. But I really want to know where this fabric is coming from. Like, where is it coming from? Like, is it Chinatown fabric? Like, are you having it personally made, sent to you from like Istanbul or something? Like, where is this fabric coming from? It's not coming from Gucci. I just want to know where it's coming from. And how much are you spending on it? And what possessed you, knowing your scamming background, right? What possessed you to make yourself a national spectacle and draw all this attention to you and have people come look and inquire into your life and your financial dealings that you know were ill-gotten. Why did you do this? Why were you stunting on the internet like this? All this attention for six months, all your tea, most, because there's still a lot of shit that ain't come out. You could have just sat quietly, had a V8 and continued to scam forevermore. But you brought all this attention to yourself and now your house of cards crumbled. Why? Why? What's the line at the end of, um, I love this movie. I've watched it 50 million times. Devil's Advocate. He says something about like ego is my favorite. What's the last line in Devil's Advocate? He says, vanity, definitely my favorite sin. Sir, you did this to yourself. I'm sorry. You did this to yourself. You've been to jail once for this type of shit. Got out, started doing it again in God's name. Stop playing with the Lord's name. Let your ego get the best of you. Now it's looking like you're going back to jail. Up to 20 years for some of these charges, sir. Also this, like I clown about this shit because it's like stupid. But real talk, right? He's somebody's father. He's three people's father. At least. There's the baby that he kept saying somebody put a gun in my daughter's face. That's a baby baby. That child's not even two. And then there's at least two older children. Like, this is just dumb. At the end of the day, it's just dumb. All the effort that he's put into masterminding this persona and turning himself infamous or famous or whatever and, and scamming people, these, these elaborate scams to get money out of people. You know, you really could have just got like a real job and like applied your, your scamming mentality. I'm not saying that would have been easier. I'm saying it wouldn't land you in jail. But here we are nevertheless. I wish him, I wish him nothing. I wish him, I wish him what he deserves. Last but not least, I want to talk about Meg and Tori. This is another big story that happened while we were on break. People are like, Demetria, the, you, the podcast, you must. I mustn't. I mustn't. I am on break. <laughs> Meg and Tori. Uh, Meg was not on trial. I have to keep repeating that. Megan was the victim. Megan was the victim here. And a jury of Tori's peers said, said as much. They did find that he did shoot her. After his repeated denials that he did not, he was so arrogant about it, like making songs about it. Weapons against me won't prosper. Like he was quoting Bible verses, like all sorts of haughty shit, only to be found guilty on three counts. Guilty of assault with a semi-automatic firearm, carrying a loaded unregistered firearm in a vehicle and discharge of a firearm with gross negligence, a.k.a. you shot her, nigga. Just like Megan said forever and a day ago. Folks drag that woman nonstop, nonstop. She's lying. She's lying. She's lying. It'll come out in court. She's lying. She's lying. She's lying. Yeah, but it came out in court that she wasn't. And you know what niggas did? All the niggas who was like, oh, it's going to come out in court. It's not going to be found guilty because he didn't shoot her, blah, blah, blah. 
The court found him guilty of three counts. We're still waiting to see how long he's going to be sentenced for, but the nigga is currently locked up. It immediately, immediately, people were like, oh my God, there was reasonable doubt. The jurors didn't take XYZ into consideration. Free Tory, he didn't do it. There's a lot of people that just hate women, including other women. We saw pictures of the woman's fucked up feet years ago. And people were like, oh, she just stepped on glass. A doctor said there are there's shrapnel in her feet still. She got shot in both feet. Well, how was she able to walk if she got shot in both feet? By God's grace, God damn it. Because she wasn't like destitute and confined to a wheelchair after she got shot in both feet. It's evidence that like it didn't really matter or she didn't really get shot. Despite the doctor being like, yeah, we took bullet shrapnel out of her feet. Like, come on, people. Really? I can't say I'm surprised. The level of hatred that has been exhibited toward Megan and, and women in general Throughout this trial, but even, you know, just a daily random day on the internet, I'm not even shocked. Her best friend shot her and the jury was wrong. Black men get railroaded in the court system. Sometimes they do. And sometimes black men do dumb shit like shoot a woman in the feet because she bruised his ego. Sometimes that happens too. And this nigga did that shit. He shot her. And a whole jury, like, listen to all the evidence that all these people talking about it on the internet who just heard snippets or heard Tory's denials and just decided I'm going to believe him blindly, who weren't in the courtroom, who didn't even go read, like, you know, the play-by-play that were in actual journalistic publications, not just random people tweeting or making status updates or TikTok videos or some shit. Didn't even bother actually like, you know, actual journalistic reporting of what happened. Have just decided like, no, he didn't do that shit. Despite the court finding him guilty of doing that shit. Okay. Megan got shot. She said, I know who shot me. He shot me. The jurors found him guilty of shooting her. There was a witness who was like, I saw the little man shooting her. No, he ain't shoot her. What? You know what did get me though? I wasn't sure Tori was going to be found guilty just because... Getting justice for black women, see Breonna Taylor, is very hard to come by. I really didn't know what the outcome of that case was going to be. I would not have been shocked if Tory Lanez had been found not guilty. I would have been disappointed. I would have been appalled. I would have been angry. But I would not have been surprised. I wasn't surprised. I also wasn't surprised that he was found guilty because Megan said he shot me. And then I'd been following the case throughout. And then, you know... After Megan got shot, her ex-best friend, who won't confirm or deny anything now, at one point is on video detailing what happened and how Megan got shot. There's also the text right after the shooting to Megan's bodyguard that says, oh my God, Tori shot Meg. All of these things made it obvious to me that yes, he did shoot her. What I didn't have on my bingo card? Tori Lane's parents. They went to trial every day. They sat in the courtroom every day and listened to the testimony. They know why their son couldn't testify in his own defense. He couldn't get on the stand because they would be able to ask him about other violent incidents. His lawyers didn't want him to have to answer those questions because it shows a pattern of violent behavior and of being a hothead. Okay, you know your son. You know your son because, sir, you know you. His father's one too. Tory Lanez gets sentenced, but there are reports that his parents, his father and his stepmother, 
who to court showed up in a Tweety Bird outfit. And I was like, like I said about Meek Mill, you didn't have no decent clothes to wear to court. Your son, stepson, son, same difference to me. Your son is on trial facing multiple years in prison and deportation. You, you couldn't find no like decent dress, a suit, something that didn't have a cartoon character on it. This is your court outfit. According to reports from journalists, they acted a plum fool in the courtroom after the verdict is read. I'm looking for video. I'm all the way in Ghana. Somebody points out, ain't no video. All you got is the reports. I'm like, damn, black people, when they show out right or wrong, that's always something to see. I'm like, damn, I missed it. Then I'm like, then people were like, oh, no, no. There's video outside the courthouse. Tory Lane's father gets in front of all these news cameras and starts going off about his son's innocence, how he was railroaded, how this is an injustice that his son has been found guilty. Before I saw the video, I heard about the parents going off and I gave them a bit of grace because I was like, even if he's done something terrible, even if they think he's done something terrible, they acknowledge that he's been found guilty of doing something terrible, that's still their kid. And he's going to jail for a long time. I understand how that could send a parent, a loved one, someone who remotely cares about your black ass, despite what you've done over the edge. I understood. When his father got outside that courthouse and started talking about Rock Nation and blaming Jay-Z for this shit, talking about Tory didn't sign to Rock Nation, so this is all some grand conspiracy by Jay-Z to get back at Tory for not signing with him. Daddy, nigga, stop. Stop. To this day, I cannot name a Tory Lane song. Somebody tried to tell me about it, and I was like, huh? I only moved here in August. What song or album does Tory Lanez have that is so GD important that Jay-Z was like, I've got to have him. And if I can't have him, no one can. And so I'm going to, I don't know, orchestrate a fake shooting and then blame it on Tory Lanez as revenge for not signing with Rock Nation. What? And then Tweety Bird is walking to the car and she starts yelling about Beyonce. And I was like, oh, this is how Tory Lanez ends up like this. You was raised by these niggas. Oh, yeah, we using that word freely in 2023 because it's the only way to describe some people. You was raised by these people. That's how you ended up like this. You don't hold your son accountable for shit. You probably seen him acting ass his entire life and blamed other people for it and coddled him. And so he grows up to be the kind of adult that thinks he can pull out a fucking gun on someone, anyone, but especially a woman, a woman that he's in an intimate relationship with and fire at her feet and say, dance, bitch. That's some, that's some fantasy movie shit. That's some shit when somebody pisses you off, you, you fantasize about doing, you think about doing, you think like, how crazy would it be? Nobody actually does that shit except niggas like Tory Lanez. And he does that shit. And this is take nothing away from personal accountability for Tory Lanez because he's a grown ass man. He's 30 years old. This is to take no way personal accountability away from him. This is just to talk about how he got there. His daddy on that bullshit too. I can see if father came out of court and was like, Kelsey, she's not trustworthy. Kelsey's the one that shot Tori. Like that would make more sense. At least try to blame somebody else who was actually in the car. 
Seeing as how, like, it's confirmed Megan did get shot in the feet. Somebody in the car shot her. Blame somebody else in the car. I can see where you were going with that. A, a conspiracy theory by Rock Nation orchestrated by Jay-Z and Beyonce. This is what they do with their billionaire downtime. Plot revenge on Tory Lanez. Nigga. That's not everything. I'll be back. Shit, on Friday. But I'll be in... Doha. I'm going to see the Valentino exhibit. You know I love a good fashion exhibit. I love excess and over the top and all of those things. And Doha's been on my bucket list for a minute. So I'm off to Doha, but it won't change anything. The, the podcast is still going regular until further notice. I told you on the last episode of 2022 that I'm leaving Ghana and I'm going back to America. We might miss an episode during that transition. But otherwise, for this, this bit of bopping that's coming up, we're still good. The same way I didn't miss an episode when I've been bopping around countries from Ghana, I won't be missing it going forward. Every Tuesday, every Friday, 2023, we're good. So welcome back and we'll talk on Friday. Happy New Year. Okay, bye.